0: Red Sox beat on CLNS. I think
1: it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better period, nothing will.
0: I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
2: Achievement or a new milestone, they don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player so we're going a ceremony. No, no. like
0: Now to your hosts. Red Sox beat CLNS Media. Of course, CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage of New England professional sports on Twitter at CLNS Media. Facebook, same thing. Of course, don't forget our mobile podcast app for CLNS, where all the shows on our great network, including ours, are on there for uh, on-demand listening, as well as by download on your uh, mobile device. Check that out. We're on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook, Red Sox Beat podcast we are recording tonight on Monday night where the Home Run Derby happened. It's All-Star Week, and holy crap, Aaron Judge, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, But Lauren Campbell, Jess Thomas, back for another week, halfway through the season, Red Sox are in first place. It's kind of nice.
2: It is nice, but it's definitely kind of bittersweet that we are already halfway through the season. Definitely a little sad, but I like going into the All-Star break in first place, so I won't really complain.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe it's half over, but I guess when you play every day and a couple months pass, that's kind of how it works, right?
0: Yeah, and we were begging for baseball all winter, and now almost halfway through the month of July, Red Sox three and a half games up in the division, and the home run derby was tonight, and um, guys, we're going to get to the recap for the last couple games, but can we just start with talking about Aaron Judge, because holy crap did he put on a performance.
2: He's not human. I mean, it's that simple. This guy is a monster. He's a beast. He's just... He's such a good baseball player and it's a shamey place for the Yankees because it's kind of like you know when you're a Bruins fan when PK Subban was on the Canadiens that's that's the only really comparison I can make and it's it's so frustrating because he's just so good and it he's definitely he's so much fun to watch I swear every day he's hitting home runs and it's just almost like a like a breath of fresh air for the Yankees because for them to have someone so good but god it's it, it, he's such he's so young too and he's just he's got so much potential and I just I still I don't think he's a human at all
1: my only contribution on this conversation is a little text conversation I had with my dad tonight during the derby Uh, he said judge seems like a good kid he'll be hard to hate down the line doesn't strike me as the type to provide locker room material and I responded with yeah he's very hard to hate that's what what everyone hates about him they want to hate him but they can't
0: It's Sounds about right. So That's about right, yeah. And look, tonight I will say this. You know, baseball has gotten its crap for the last couple of years being too slow, not wanting to watch it. Like, And I hate to agree with Alex Rodriguez, but um, he was on the Colin Howard show. Is he still calling it The Herd? Whatever it's called on FS1 now. And basically said Aaron Judge is the LeBron, the newer version of LeBron James in the sense of um, baseball has a, a guy now where you can go, this guy's massive, he can play a multiple sports, he can transcend, um, he's that kind of powerful impact player. Now, I, I disagree in sense of, like, they've had a Mike Trout in the league, things like that, but I overall think that this guy is a transcendent player in a moment like this, where he just took this home run derby and ran with it, and the way he's been playing this year, there's no question he's rookie of the year, in my opinion, as much as I'd love to see Ben Tenny win. Um, he's going to run away with it, I think, in the AL, but... Baseball's missing a player like this now in this generation. You know, Yankees, Red Sox could be a thing, and and he's a big reason why. And tonight was a good first step for baseball, I think, and rejuvenating the next generation.
2: Yeah, like, he's just he's so fun to watch. Like I I I don't know what else to say about this guy except he's just it's fun to watch. He's I mean he's already breaking record after record. You know, he broke Dimaggio's record, so he's obviously going to do big things. But I don't know, he's just. He's good. <laughs> I'm gonna he hit a at ball. Good.
0: Guys, he hit a ball off the roof. Like, they didn't count it, which is also moronic in itself. They didn't count the home run. to do. It was probably going to go like 500 feet if, it, if the roof wasn't there. But he hit a ball off the roof, and they didn't count it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of dumb. I guess, I mean, he didn't need it. But, I mean, he hit one 513 feet, too and that did that didn't hit the roof so <laughs> he didn't even realize he
0: it didn't count either because like in that round in the bonus round he hit the one that was supposedly the right one and they said no it's tied you got to keep going they're like oh crap okay and he went up there and just barely hit and just casually swung another one uh like, like, like did, was, did
1: he hit 23 did he hit 24 how many did he hit what's going on yeah
0: they were freaking out and <laughs> that being said the broadcast was okay i i Meh, to moat like it was a struggle to listen to it. I do miss Berman just for nostalgic reasons. I I miss the back backpack. Back. I I miss it, but um, I am not a fan of the ESPN broadcast for anything. So in terms of baseball wise, um, Sunday Night baseball and things like that. So. Uh, but that being said the product was good which is nice and then celebrity softball is just fantastic but uh I digress it's so
1: 28 to 18 in the sixth inning that's not baseball i don't care it's <laughs> so much
0: fun to watch um yeah, it's not, celebrity it's softball not baseball. game and I just wish the features game was more of a prominent thing we talked about i was talking about it before we came on um, I wish the league didn't hide it i think that would be good for baseball to
1: have people
0: kind of see that
1: can i just give my thoughts on the home Run derby quickly oh absolutely
0: uh, I thought your text message text messages was your thoughts on the home Run derby
1: that was my thoughts on Aaron Judge. Period. The Home Run Derby. <laughs> I agree with you guys. It's yeah, it's it's good to showcase the young product. I know seven of the eight participants were first timers. Everyone but Giancarlo Stanton. So that was kind of cool, and they did great. And I mean, the bracket style was fun because it makes it exciting throughout. Obviously, the first round was the best round because then Judge kind of just took over after that. But I like I like having the young guys and having guys that you don't necessarily know about come out there and hit balls all over the ballpark. It was fun. It was really great.
2: I love the home run derby. I mean, we all know I love the all-star game, and the home run derby. I know a lot of people aren't fans of it, but this year it was just, there was so much more, like so much more of a fun aspect to it. I don't know, like if it was the bracket style or if it was just, just like you said, kind of people, players who don't, are really kind of unknown or not huge names. You know, Aaron Judge obviously is, was highlighting the whole thing, but I really, really enjoyed it this year. I enjoyed every year, but there was something almost like special about this year.
1: Charlie yeah. Blackman was awesome. I didn't expect him to do that well, and he he was good.
0: Yeah, I everyone think was good. The, everyone. It was it was a fun derby to watch, and I, I think you're right, Lauren. The der- the bracket style has helped it, um, kind of rejuvenated it because you could have you know one guy hit 11 and not be out of it if the next guy if the two guys hit 22 like Stanton got screwed and in, into the bracket because he did he killed it um in the first round but got edged out by one to sanchez but then again um you know guys hit low teens in, in advance so the bracket style helps um i think and it just kind of rums up that rivalry and i loved watching um them all just go at it especially in judges first round because everyone's like oh crap he now has to 23 and he went out there and hit it with ease like he took over the home run derby and as much as he's a yankee it's good for baseball
1: yeah, so, it is it's 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 fun I just like how all the every single one was close you know it' was like 11 to 10 17 16 23 22 you know it was awesome I thought it was great how how close they all were
0: yeah so um we can go more into the all-star stuff after but there were some games this week for the Red Sox we want to get to those um recapping the week as always our Jess Thomas.
1: Yeah, uh, it wasn't as good a week as we predicted or hoped for, uh, even though it started off well. It ended up being a 3-4 and four week, which was a shame after a sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays over the weekend. Uh, they sucked, by the way. They lost 19-1 to yesterday, so, <laughs> uh, so that one out there. Um, so back to this week. Uh, I know the uh, game on Monday had already happened by the time we did the show, but I'm going to... Quickly go over it anyway because it was a great win, seven to five win over the Rangers in eleven innings. Andrew Benintendi won the game with a two RBI single on the top of the eleventh. Before uh, before the bottom of the eleventh, where uh, Heath Hembree closed the door for two perfect innings uh, to end that one. This one was started by Rick Porcello and Martin Perez. Porcello went six and a third, three hits, three runs, good outing for him. Perez gave up five runs two earned uh, and five and two-thirds so the game was kind of put in the hands of the bullpen as it was close throughout um as the Rangers got closer and closer at the end they got a run in the seventh run in the eighth run in the ninth uh Mike Napoli blew the game for Craig Kimbrell with a homer in the ninth inning to tie it at five which sent it to extra innings so Kimbrell actually gave up a run I know that's shocking that doesn't happen very often but first pitch he gave it up um and then Dustin Bedroy made like the greatest play in MLB history, uh, to get out of first base, off an, off an error off the wall, it was... I Before we go any further, like that was uh, such an unbelievable play. To have that like awareness to throw it immediately as you're falling over, and for Moreland to get back to the back, like, that was just awesome. That play was incredible.
0: And the funny yeah. thing is, too, like they don't It never looks like it's that much of an effort when Petroia does it. Like, we've seen over the years, he's made these plays, he just kind of does these things, and, like, whatever the, like, if those kind of plays for him, they're always seeming like they're second nature. And, like, we watch it and go, holy crap, what just happened? But at the same time, everyone's like, well, it's Petroya. Of course he's going to be able to do it.
2: And this is exactly why we love Petroia, because it's the way he plays the game. He just seems to always be on his toes, he's always ready. And I must have watched that play a hundred times over every day. And it just it doesn't get old just because there's so much, you know, athleticism, just knowing where to be at that time, like he's just doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And it was just such such a perfect play. And it was just like, like I said, I've watched it a 100 times over and I, I I'll still watch I'll watch it tonight after we're done recording.
1: Yeah, I watched it so many times, too. Such a great play. And this is this was his best day of game of the season, no doubt about it. He was 3-for-5 in this game with 4 RBI, and then not just that play, but two plays also in both in extra innings. He went back and caught one over the shoulder, and then he made a great diving stop on another one. So he had three great defensive plays in extra innings, the ninth, 10th, and 11th innings, and 4 RBI with three hits. So awesome game for him. Awesome game period because a lot of guys contributed and an extra inning went on the road is always great. and I mean, this team's been great in extra innings all season long. Which is great. So that brings us into Tuesday's game. Uh, this game was awesome too. Uh, this one was 11-4 to four and a ton of hits. My god, you thought there were a lot of hits on, uh, on Sunday with the 15-run game against the Blue Jays with 21 hits? Well, this one itself had 11 runs and 19 hits. So, this was this was almost as good. Um, this was an Andrew Benintendi uh, showcase here in this one. He was 5-for-5 five five with four runs, six RBI, and two home runs, which is insane. Uh, another guy, a lot of other guys contributed, too. Jackie Bradley Jr., Christian Vasquez, and Zo Wayland all had three hits, and Mitch Moreland had two. Uh, how this one went down, uh, there were a lot of runs, and all kind of in a bunch. After the Sox went up two nothing in the second, uh, they got two more in the fourth on a Vasquez and Lin RBI single each, and then Benintendi hit a three run homer in the fifth to make it seven nothing, and then he had an RBI single in the sixth to make it eight nothing, and then it was nine nothing in the seventh, and then in the eighth Benintendi hit another home run to make it ten nothing, and then JBJ hit one of his own to make it eleven nothing. Napoli got a three run homer to make it eleven to three, and then Delano DeShields hit one to make it eleven to four, but. After seven and a half innings, it was 11 to nothing. This game was just a blowout. Uh, Hugh Darvish started it. He gave up seven runs, 11 hits, and four and a third innings. He was garbage. And David Price pitched for the Sox, and he gave up no runs on six hits, two walks, nine strikeouts, and six innings. So he pitched well with no pressure with the offense firing, and Andrew Benatendi was the absolute man.
2: What a game. Like, it, that was that was such a fun game to watch. It was such a fun game just all around, and... I really, really like that David David Price pitched well because, you know, I know we've been on him the last few weeks. He's really been on him all season. And he a lot of pressure on him, and he just went out there, and he didn't give up a lot of walks. I mean, the hits, you know, not, they're not terrible, but he didn't give up many runs and the strikeouts. That's like, my main focus is that last year, you know, he had a lot of strikeouts, but he gave up too many runs. And this start was just perfect for him. You know, there was offense, so he didn't need to worry about that. And he pitched well, he looked confident, he looked good. And he didn't freak out after the game over a media, on a media member. So it, all in all, very good game.
0: <laughs> yeah, these are the games that make me still like David Price. You know, pitched well, overall good demeanor, didn't flip out. And then on top of that, these are also the games that make me think Andrew Benetton, still has a chance to win the American League Rookie of the Year. Because this is his capability. This is what we'd love for him for. Um, I, don't, I, it's gonna, I don't think it'll be... And any issue for Aaron Judge, but that being said, this is a game that you ideally want to see, right? David Price pitches well, no media issues, no thing, he just kind of pitches well, and they get the win, and your young kid just goes off.
1: Yeah, Benetton has no chance to win rookie of the year, sorry. <laughs> I, I wish he did, because oh, 12 God, homers, yeah. 51 RBI, 279 average any other year, halfway through the season, you'd have a great chance, but Judge already has 30 home runs, so you can forget about it.
0: Yeah, Judge is ridiculous. Um,
1: yeah. He's going to win MVP, much less much less Rookie of the Year. So, pretty wild. Um, so, 2-0 start to, uh, to start the week. So, naturally, a dud finally came after this uh, excellent winning streak of uh, six games at this point. They couldn't make it seven on Wednesday. It was an 8-2 loss in the final game against the Rangers. Uh, Andrew Kashner owned this game. He was really good. He had a no-hitter into the sixth inning until Xander Bogart's. Messed it up with a two-run homer, as uh, as Tim Neverett on the radio said. He said, let me quote it right. He said, no hitter gone, shutout gone. So that was a pretty cool moment. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that was my nerdiness coming in here. Uh, back to the game. Uh, yeah, it was ugly. Uh, the, the Rangers got up 8 nothing in the first five innings. Neto door hit a home run in the second. Carlos Gomez hit one in the third. The Rangers got three more runs in the fourth. And then Jerickson Profar put a cap on it in the fifth with a two-RBI double. Doug Fischer started this game. It was not sharp. He gave up five hits, six runs, four earned, three walks, three Ks, two homers. In just three and two-thirds innings, he threw 89 pitches. He just couldn't get outs. And uh, he struggled, which is unfortunate. Um, but... Even if he gave up four runs in this game, you still weren't getting a win because Kaschner was dominant. The only runs he gave up were unearned because before Bogart's home run, there was an error on an easy play. Pete Cosman dropped a simple simple throw. Uh, it was pretty pathetic. Uh, then the home run happened. It kind of screwed Kaschner up and blew his no-hitter. But he still went seven innings, giving up three hits, two runs, no-earned, three walks, four strikeouts. He was really good. I mean, the Sox got three hits. You're not winning any games doing that.
0: No, I think that um, it, it's one of those situations where the offense struggled, and if you're if you're only going to get three hits, then at that point it's just it's not going to work, and you go back to the jar board, chalk it up as a loss. And I wish they had more runs against Porcello, more hits against with Porcello as well in the later games. So they had some issues this week in a couple games, but um, you know when you have three hits, you're just not going to win a game.
2: No, we talked about this last week too that. When you don't score runs and you don't connect and make hits, you, you're not going to win games. You can't. I mean, you can't win games with three hits, but it, it's hard to, especially if the other team's wheeling and dealing. So it just it's frustrating when you have back-to-back wins, like solid wins, and then kind of just like crap the bed. You don't really know what happened. Like, what the hell just happened? What's going on?
1: Yeah, and the trend continued on. Uh... Friday against the, sorry, Thursday against the Rays, uh, are, are, uh, good predictions with you guys both pulling the four game sweep, me taking three out of four, got off to a bad start here on Thursday, uh, even with Chris Sale on the mound against Jake Faria, and the Rays won four to one, and just like the game before, the Sox only got five hits, one run, you're not going to win that way, and surprisingly, Sale was not as sharp, um, the Sox got a one nothing lead in a sack fly by Devin Morero in the third inning. But then Wilson Ramos got an RBI double in the fourth to tie it at one. Peter Board just hit a home run in the fifth, which is the big blow, and made it 2-1. And then Wilson, Wilson Ramos again hit a two-run homer in the sixth to make it 4-1. So Salio up two home runs, which is doesn't happen a whole lot, and four runs on seven hits in seven innings. Funny thing with him was even though he did that, he still got 12 strikeouts. <laughs> it's,
2: it's wild. It blows my mind that... I mean obviously with Chris Sale we expect double digit strikeouts no matter what kind of game he pitches but it's it's definitely frustrating to see a start like that not I, go to waste really because 12 strikeouts is still so impressive but you know those two home runs you could tell how mad he was about giving them up I was mad about him giving them up but it's just like it was still he's still such a good pitcher like, you can't you can't hate him for this
0: no, and it, like he's gonna have blips like this every once in a while, and even then, it wasn't like a terrible start. But for Chris Sale, we're like throwing up in arms, and like he had twelve strikeouts, like he pitched pretty well. It wasn't Chris Sale magic, but you know, all he's probably gonna win the Cy Young. He's pitching like that, but everybody has these starts every once in a while, and for a Cy Young potential Cy Young winner, it just looks worse because of how bad he's how well he's been pitching.
1: Well, yeah, that's the funny thing is that I mean that's with, with great pitchers like this. Porcello did the same thing last year. Even if you go up a couple of runs and you struggle, you still you know get a ton of strikeouts. You go deep into the game. You know, Sale gutted out 113 pitches over seven innings, got the 12 strikeouts. So even though he gave up seven hits and four runs, you know he doesn't mail it in and get like two strikeouts and go like four and a third innings. Like he went seven innings, 12 strikeouts. So you gotta you gotta like that even with a loss. So. It's too bad. It's tough to get off to a loss against the Rays in the first game with your best pitcher on the mound. So, that's what happened. Fortunately, brought us into Friday, and we finally got a win here after a two-game losing streak. Uh, this one was an 8-3 win behind uh, Cy Young 2, Drew Pomerantz. <laughs> <laughs> behind Cedale, obviously, but Pomerantz pitched great. Uh, the offense was very good in this game. Uh, they got up 4 nothing in the third inning. Uh, Betts hit an RBI double. Andy Benatendi hit an RBI single. And Dustin Pedroia hit a two-run homer in the fourth to make it 4 nothing. Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a home run of his own in the fourth to make it 5 nothing. Then the Rays got a couple of runs back to make it 5-2. But just as they did, half an inning later, the Sox got two more runs uh, to make it 7-2. Uh, Hanley Ramirez hit a home run late in the ninth inning to make it 8-3 with the final. Uh, so this game featured three home runs, which is pretty awesome. And Pomeranz went six innings, six hits, two runs, five walks, which is too many, but six strikeouts. And obviously, he got the win easily because they were up big time. Jay Goderizzi was awful in this game. Eight hits, seven runs, and four and a third innings. Um, I mean, Pomeranz has been great. How? No, you If you're complaining about this guy still at this point, you got issues.
2: It's amazing that people do still complain about him and that he's you know not a not a good pitcher or not this and that, but it's like he's going five six innings he's he's doing what we need him to do and we don't expect him to go out there and pitch eight or nine innings we we need him to get you know at least six in that'd be solid but i mean besides the walks, he's been really good, and I know there were a lot of questions around him going into the year and then. It's almost like everyone's forgotten about Rodriguez and what what he, you know, just him kind of just being on the DL because the starting pitching's been really good and I mean of course there's always going to be struggles but we're not suffering without anyone in our rotation and part of that is because of Pomeranz and how well he's been pitching.
0: Yeah, I I was visibly one of those real Pomeranz haters and you both can attest to that, uh, but there is nothing to complain about because. He's, he's living up to what we need of him. Like you said, Thorne. Don't need him to go eight innings. Don't need him to be Chris Sale. Just need him to go f- even five innings and six or seven every once in a while. Just have quality starts. Keep the game, keep within the game and let the offense take control. Hopefully the bullpen's pretty good. But even then he's exceeded those expectations recently. And, um, look, if he keeps holding up good Eduardo Rodriguez looked like he was doing well in the rehab start he had before and it seems like our all systems are go for him. Um, this rotation is coming back into form. Come out of the all-star break.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at Pomeran's numbers, guys. My God, I'm looking at him right now. So first of all, last five starts, he's gone six plus innings in four of the five starts, and he's giving up he's given up either zero, one, or two runs in all three of in all five of those. Uh, and then going back even further, he had one bad game against Detroit on June 11th. But if you get rid of that, um, his last ten starts, nine of the ten, he's given up two or less runs. These are his runs: two, one zero two one five one one two one that is chris sale numbers my (laughs) god
2: (laughs) i love that that was almost like a realization like right now it was just that was just great you reading it and just being like my god like (laughs) that that was a very amazing moment for me
1: (laughs) thank you He's also dropped his ERA from 497 to 360 in those 10 games. So if anyone is not seeing what he's doing, you need to open your eyes, you need to look at the internet, you need to look at his numbers, you need to watch him pitch and realize that he is pitching like Chris Sale and he's got nine wins and he's got an ERA in the mid-threes. That is good. So if anyone, after listening to the show, or if you're just not an idiot, still thinks he's not pitching well, then you really got to get your act together and, you know, open your eyes. So...
2: It's funny, you know, people will believe anything they read on the internet, but put some facts on there about Drew Pomerantz, and they still hate him.
1: Right? Like, those numbers are great! (laughs) Two or less runs in nine of the last ten games? What what do you want from the guy? Peter Martinez over here, lefty style. (laughs) My God.
0: Don't go that far.
1: the, The numbers speak for themselves, my friend. Not yet. Oh, Chris, they, I, have, I just read them to you. Chris Tell, Chris
0: Tell can be the Pedro, lefty Pedro. Thank uh, you very
1: much. No, Drew Pomerantz. And you know what? I'm relishing in this because I picked Drew Pomerantz to be my player to watch for before the season. And I know we're kind of rocking back to the old times later in the show tonight with uh, some some predictions at the beginning of the year. So I'll toot my own horn. I said he's a player to watch for. I said he's extremely valuable. He can give you a really strong guy in the back of the bullpen. And boys, I have done exactly what he's done. I feel like a genius. Thank you.
0: He's not in the bullpen. You're
1: welcome. <laughs> I'm glad he said you're welcome. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, moving away from Duke, Drew Pomerantz to sadder things. Uh, Saturday's game was a one nothing loss. This game was so annoying. Oh, God, watching this game, I just wanted to punch a wall through. I'm not that aggressive. Don't, don't worry. But it was really, really frustrating. It was really, God, this game, three hits for the Red Sox, six hits for the Rays. Uh, the only run in the game was a Jesus Sucre. Sac fly. Way to say that. Thank you
0: for um, emphasizing it.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> Sackfly fly in the second inning off Rick Porcello, and that was it. And it happened after a double play was overturned. So that one really got me. I was like, Oh my god, you're so close! Like you getting out of the inning. Nope, just kidding. No double play. Sac fly, one run, and as it turns out, eight innings later. That's the only run that happened in the game, which is really annoying because Rick Porcello went eight innings, complete game, six hits, one run, no walks, seven strikeouts over 111 pitches, and he still couldn't get the win because Alex Cobb went seven and two-thirds innings, only given up two hits, no runs, one walk, but he only had three strikeouts. So I'm, I'm giving the edge to Porcello in this one. I think he pitched better. I know I'm biased, but I don't care. But this game, my God, you got to get some hits, like two hits in the game. Three hits in the game. Morland Bogarts bets. That's it. There was one double, one extra base hit, and that was it. So my God, they haven't scored in eight games that Rick Porcello has been in this year. Eight games. How can you complain about the guy? I know he's four and eleven. I know his ERA is four seventy five. But they haven't scored in eight of his nineteen starts. That is awful.
0: I think the only it's- argument you have is the ERA because you know that could self sufficiently be lowered. But besides that, like. The wins aren't always his fault, especially where, like you're saying, you have eight games where they haven't scored a run, and in this game, if even if they score two runs and they win 2-1 and he gets the win, you're talking about what a gem Rick Porcello pitched instead of the fact that the Red Sox couldn't get out of their own way.
2: It just, it blows my mind that, it, you know, it's not one or two starts that the Sox haven't scored, it, it's eight, and that's, so he's scored 11, he's had 19 starts, he's had 15 decisions in those 19 starts, and Eight eight of those starts could have easily been wins if they just put some some runs on the board. It's not that I mean, obviously we've seen what this team can do offensive wise. We know it's not hard for them to throw runs on the board, but when Porcello gets on the mound, it's like they just they don't know what to do. It's like they forget how to play baseball. They and then everyone obviously turns to Porcello. He's obviously it's it's he's a target when obviously when you're the pitcher, you're the target. You win or lose the game, but. You can't he pitches well. This is what's frustrating. It's deep into games he's and he's pitching well. And they just they're losing, you know, three to one, two to one, one nothing. It's not like he's getting blown out. So it's extremely frustrating, especially the Cy Young award last year and the season yet last year. And for him to be four and eleven when he was twenty two and three at one point last year, it's just it's mind boggling.
0: Especially because like they you know, he wasn't pitching that great early on in the year, but they figured it out, right? Like, he, he he had a little bit of Cy Young hangover. It looked like he had to get it. Some people were trying to figure, starting to figure him out. He made the adjustments, and he's been pitching better for the most part of this year now, and it's just the funny thing is there's always that one pitcher throughout every season on the rotation, and it seems like it's a different <laughs> pitcher every year that doesn't get run support, and now, you know, Chris Hill didn't get it early on, but he's been fine lately. He's been pitching well and doing whatever, and he's going to win the Cy Young probably, but you know, Rick Porcello this year seems to be that victim. I remember that one year John Lackey didn't get a uh, didn't get a run for like a week and a half. Like it's just
1: and his ERA was like was like low threes. And was, was low threes like and he didn't get a single run. The- yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, like brutal.
0: Rick Porcello is the guy this year doing that, and it sucks because it's coming off a year where he pitched so well and has such a good record that now it's like oh it was a, it was a um, it was it was a one time thing blah blah blah. And it's like no, he's pitching pretty well. Yeah, the ERA could be a little lower, but he should have won a lot more of these games than he's losing.
1: Right, and you look at and you look at how he's doing it, too, is literally exactly how he did it last year. He's going deep into games. I saw a stat after the last game. He's gone six-plus innings, and in, it was something like 27 of his last 28 starts or something. Like, he's gone six innings at least in every game except one this year. He went four and a third against the Rays on April 14th, giving up eight runs. But other than that, he's gone at least six in every single start, six or seven, and obviously he went eight on uh, – on Saturday. So it's like, he's still going deep into games. No, he's not giving He's not giving up quite as few runs as he did last year, and obviously he got the run support last year, but like when you know every game you're pitching, like, oh, well, I guess there's a 45% chance the team's not going to score a single run in this game I pitch every week. Like, that's got to get to your head, doesn't it? I mean, knowing knowing they're not going to score for you, that makes it hard. I wouldn't want to pitch that way.
2: Would anybody want to pitch that <laughs> way? I mean,
1: Probably it's, not. It's,
2: and it's got to be you know, mental too. Cause it's like, Oh, here we go. When he's not going to score for me. So I mean, that's, that's gotta be in his head somewhere. It has like, you can't tell me it's not.
1: Yeah. I can't hate on the guy. I honestly can't. I, I like him a lot. I couldn't get over how great he was last year. And I think that unnecessary amount of crap he's gotten this year, just like Pomerantz, people just need to like shut up and watch the games and open their <laughs> eyes and see what happens. It's my theme of the night, apparently tonight. Um, so that was, that was too bad. That was a really frustrating game. Um, and the Sox stranded the bases loaded to end the game too. So they're right there, You just get one hit and uh Porcello gets to go walk back to the dugout for another one. Nothing loss. And I mean he he had he said after the game he was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's you can't do much about wins and losses." And he said the same thing last year as he was getting a ton of wins. So he's staying in the same tune and like you can't control wins and losses. You just pitch as well as you can and hope you get run support. And he did last year, he didn't this year. So at least give the guy credit for, you know, staying calm and kind of seeing both sides of the both sides of the coin as he has the last two years. So that brings us into our final game of the week here on Sunday. Yet another loss, the fourth loss out of five. Once again, another really frustrating game. This series just sucked as a whole. This was a really frustrating series. Easily could have gone very different. Could have won three out of four very easily. Uh, This one was started by um, David Price and Chris Archer. A little good marquee matchup, or at least would have been in the past. Uh, And they were both good. Uh, they were both pretty good. Price gave up five hits, two runs, two walks, five strikeouts over six, and Archer gave up eight hits, three runs, two walks, eight strikeouts over six and two-thirds. Um, both teams got out early. Mookie Betts had a leadoff home run to start out the game against Archer. Uh, I was his 11th career leadoff home run, which is already a Red Sox franchise record, and he's only 24. So that's pretty cool. Um... Then the Rays tied it back up in the bottom of the first, almost in the first batter, just like the Red Sox. Steven Susie Jr. hit a double off the top of the wall. It wasn't a home run, but Longoria drove him in with a sack, sorry, an RBI single uh, right away in the first inning, two three batters in to make it 1 1. Then Longoria got a sack fly in the third inning to make it 2 1. And then Dustin Boudreaux in the seventh inning, it was still 2 1. He hit a home run opposite field off Archer to knock him out of the game. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but. I haven't seen someone that excited after hitting a home run in quite a while. He was literally pumping his chest, yelling and freaking out the entire way around the bases and it was awesome.
2: It was so much fun because it was like it was like he had a walk-off in game 7 of the World Series. That's, yep. that's exactly how he was acting. And it, it's nice to see Pejoria get like that because it's just he's been on the team for so long and you know especially with the kind of drama he had at the beginning of the season just to see that kind of reaction and just to see how excited he was and how pumped up and just like, that's just genuine excitement. And I love seeing that from, from any player, but especially someone like Petey, who just, we all love here. We, I love the way he plays the game. Always have. And just to see that genuine, real excitement with that raw excitement, it, it got me excited. I was so pumped for him and everyone was pumped too. Like we were all talking about in the chat. Everyone was cap clock. <laughs> so excited.
0: It's nice to see, like, like, he still has that fire, you know, like you're talking about. He's been on the team for so long, and a lot of guys like that, like, you know, all that stuff, and, like, to see a guy get that jacked about that home run, like, it was awesome.
1: Oh, he's a great example of, you know, practice what you preach. Like, he wants everyone to play hard, be excited, and, you know, try your hardest every at-bat, and boy, does he ever... That was awesome. That was was a great opposite field power. It was awesome to see. It was his fourth home run. He's gotten two this this week after having two all-season. So that's really good to see. Really great week for him. So that was really fun, and it was a huge hit at the time. Unfortunately, the bullpen blew it. Um, Matt Barnes came in and gave up a couple guys on base, and then Corey Dickerson did a sack fly off of Joe Kelly in relief uh, to tie the game at three. And then, unfortunately, Kelly gave up a two-run homer to Brad Miller in the eighth inning, make it five to three and that was the final score uh brad miller was hitting about 204 with two home runs this season before that hit so really discouraging hit but honestly you can't hate on joe kelly because he had thrown 23 straight scoreless outings before that so like you're bound to give up something at some point right
2: eventually i guess
1: <laughs> you hate that it happened but like the guy's been lights out since last year so you know it's hard to complain about in my mind, but it just happened at a really poor time because you just had that really exciting Pedroia home run, and they blew it just like that. So it was a five to three final. The Sox actually got two more hits than the Rays did, nine to seven, but not in the run department. So they blew Price's good game. So unfortunate end to this to the first half. I mean, they went five and zero in the road trip to start, and then one and four the rest of the way to finish, um, six and four. So. Still a three-and-a-half game lead in the East over the Yankees and the Rays because after the Rays won three of these four, they climbed back into it, which was huge for them. So probably bigger series for them than anybody. But just unfortunate to end the first half on losing three out of four because, as I said before, a lot of winnable games here.
2: Yeah, a lot of very, very winnable games. And definitely frustrating because, like you said, last week was so much fun. I and mean, They came into you know this week just on fire and they just kind of it kind of died out which obviously it's expected you can't expect the team to go 11-0 and or whatever but it's it was definitely frustrating especially to end the first half of the season and go into the all-star break the way that they did but at the end of the day they're still in first place and I I think after the all-star break it's it's gonna be fine they're just gonna get right back into it and like they never missed a beat
0: yeah kind of a crappy way to end the, the uh, first half, especially seeing how well they were playing and the expectations we had, like we talked about last week, you know, doing predictions and things like that. A lot of winnable games this week that, um, as well, that they really could have had and um, tough situations. And we definitely all predicted a better week to happen. It should have been a better week with the situations they had. But overall, you know, Three and a half game lead over two teams in the in the East. Like I said last week, I I don't think they're going to be in second place at some point again the rest of the year. Um, they might let themselves kind of slip close again like they're doing now. But, um, uh, like I agree with Lauren, you know, coming out of the second half here after the break, um, they're going to be okay. Well,
1: you know, it's it's funny too because it was just. Yeah, tough way to end. And before before this these last few games, you were like, "Oh my god, I don't want the All Star break to happen." They're playing so well, and now you're like, "All right, we'll take the All Star break." Yeah, seriously. <laughs>
0: Good. Go ahead. Go, yep. Go home. Rest up.
1: Yeah, shake it off for a couple of days. Come back and get back to it. So I think it's actually coming at a fine time. Now it turns out. Uh, and our MVPs for the week, tough pick this week because there were a couple of really good performances. I'm giving Jackie Bradley Jr. the third spot because he had a couple home runs. He was pretty solid. But I'm going co-MVPs for Andrew Benintendi and Dustin Pedroia. Uh, Benintendi obviously had his five-hit, 2 homer six-RBI, four-run game, which kind of boosted him up in the uh, the rankings. So, I mean, he had a nine-RBI week with two of the homers, you know, five runs. Didn't do a whole lot besides that game, but that game was obviously huge. And then Pedroia was consistent throughout the week, which is why I'm giving him co-MVP. Because, as I said just a few minutes ago, he hit two home runs this week after hitting two all season. Uh, he himself had uh, nine RBI also this week, and he had two three-hit games and two two-hit games. So really, if you're going the whole week, you got to give it to Pedroia. But just because of Ben Benintendi's five-hit game, we'll give him co-MVPs. Either way, really nice to see from both of them.
2: Yeah, especially Andrew Benintendi. Like, I, I tweeted out, it was after he, almost was after he, he hit the home run or made the catch, whatever it was. And then you know, 20 minutes later, he did one or the other. And I retweeted my own tweet because I'm like, this is just how his night is going. Like, he's like really <laughs> good at baseball. Like, I think my tweet was, Andrew Benintendi's really good at baseball. And it's just, I mean, I'll, I go back to it every single time. His plate patience is insane. It's just not even that, like the place he makes in the field. He, and, Again, I go back to this too. He's only twenty-two. This or twenty-three now, and it's, yes. <laughs> it's amazing what what he can do. It's so young, and he's so athletic, and he—you can just tell—he's really becoming a very comfortable baseball player. You know, he's diving into walls. He's, you know, home run after home run. He's just so so good and so fun to watch. I could go on and on about this kid forever, just because he's such a breath of fresh air to this team, and I think he's. Gonna do really well. I really hope the Red Sox hang on to him for like his whole career. He's one of those <laughs> people I really want to see in you know, a sox team. P- a Pedroia type career. Yeah, I definitely see that. I see like I do think he's had a lot of good veteran leadership too. You know, we had Ortiz last year, he's got Pedroya this year, and he's just gonna keep growing into his own. And I mean, I know I said like I do worry about him hitting his peak too soon, but I'm going to enjoy this kid for what he is right now until he's like forty five.
0: Funny thing is, too, with him, like, you know, coming into the his career, people, some people thought, oh, was the kid too cocky? Is he getting picked up too soon? Like, is he going to fall off the face of the earth? He's got enough swagger to make it work, you know? He's got just the right enough amount of, you know, kind of, I, I can't really call it arrogance because it's not really, it's just a little bit of cockiness there, but it works, right? You know, he's got the swag, he's, he's running the base paths well, but he's still humble. He's got the poise at the plate, like you said, Lauren, probably of a 10-year vet. And he has, like, the conversation in front of the camera like he's 65. Like, he just doesn't care. And he's like, yeah, I'm just here to kind of work hard, support my teammates, and, and, and be a good teammate for them. And it's just like most young kids don't talk like that when you have that kind of talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely – I mean, it's the funny thing with all these young guys on this team. They're all like that, you know, Benetendi Betts, Bradley, Bogarts. They all just kind of talk like – They've been in the league for ten years. They're like, yeah, I'm just gonna go out there and play one game. Like, there's nothing exciting about them. They're just all business. And yeah, you know, I mean that's what makes good teams. I know it's you know it's sometimes it may be boring or whatever. If if someone's not like that, but it's you know it it makes you win. So I'm cool with it.
0: That's for sure. It does make you win. All right, there is just a recap uh, brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek ticketing app. Uh, don't forget you can go to uh, the SeatGeek app and get twenty dollar rebate off your first. Uh, ticketing purchase by entering the promo code garden report all one word if you go to the settings tab you click the add a promo code and enter that in you can get $20 off um, your first ticket purchase Uh, and of course it's going to help you tell them who sent you of course us here at CLNS uh, and of course our good friends at SeatGeek so Red Sox have a good well not a good week, but a good start to the season. First half is in the books. Uh, we're going into the All-Star game tomorrow night. Aaron Judge wins the Home Run Derby, the inhuman person that he is, um, and he's a freak. And big news, you know, our Red Sox are going to have an impact in this game. Chris Tail, Mookie Betts, and Craig Kimbrell. Uh, and guys, Chris Sale is starting. Craig Kimbrell could close. That'd be fun.
2: That'd be a lot of fun seeing Sales start, Kimbrell close it out, and Mookie Betts hit a well it wouldn't be a walk off home run, but Kimberly's gonna close it out. But Mookie Betts is the go ahead home run. Perfect perfect all star game right there.
1: There you go. Yeah, I mean it makes perfect sense. Sale's the best star in the AL and Craig Kimbrell's the best closer, so it would make sense if, if Sale started it and Kimberly was able to close it, that would be money.
0: Yeah. It should be a good it should be a good couple innings though, because uh Max Scherzer is going to be starting for the National League as well. Um got got to think two Hall of Fame kind of pitchers going at it tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be scoring in the first two innings <laughs> of That's <game. laughs> yeah, two really good pitchers. This is Sale's second straight start in the All-Star game, and he's the first guy to get two straight starts with two different teams, which is awesome. Um, and Scherzer is now, this will be his his second start in two different leagues. So you yeah, one guy making two starts in two different leagues, and one making two starts in two different teams. So pretty cool on both ends.
0: It shows how good they are.
1: Yeah. They don't yep. care. What, they don't care what team they're on or where they're doing anything. They just go out there and pitch, and they're really good.
0: Seriously, and so that'll be fun to watch. Um, one thing, uh, there's some other Red Sox needs to get to as well before we kind of move on here. So, um, John Farrell made the comments that he was hoping for a better second half from Hanley Ramirez. Um, obviously I think we all knew what Hanley has been this year. It's been a disappointment uh, playing a little better as of late, but still has a little bit of attitude. Hasn't played first base as much as they expected. I- I'd say overall disappointment from Hanley compared to what he did last year, obviously. And um, to me, I don't know if John Farrell just saying them to say them, but it's kind of an obvious comment that he made um, about Hanley.
2: I love that he, that he made this comment because it's kind of like, it's what we're all thinking. And he just came out and said it and, I think he that Hanley needed needed to hear something like this because you know, this is your your coach saying this. This is your manager. This is the guy who runs your team and is saying we need a better second half from somebody who we had big expectations for this year. And especially, you know, he had the great year last year at first base, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, my shoulder hurts." Like, okay, David Ortiz's feet hurt last year. He still played first base. He still slugged home runs. Had a really good average. And Hanley is just. He's not even you know, he's mediocre and it's it's frustrating because we know he has a powerful bat. We know we know deep down he just doesn't want to play first. It's not that his shoulder hurts or that he just doesn't feel like he's ready to play. He just he doesn't want to play, it's that simple. And hopefully this lights a fire under him because I I want to see more production from him. I I think he's he's capable of so much more and he's just not showing it.
1: It's sad that he has to still be like a Twelve-year-old and still need people to be like, "Hey, you are bad. You must get better to play for our team." How old is this guy? Like, get with it. You shouldn't need that motivation to go out there and do what you're supposed to be doing. Like, I'm sorry, you shouldn't need the media being like, "Hey, you suck against lefties, so you should get better against them." Oh, okay, I'll do that. Hey, guess what? I'm your manager. You suck. I expect you to be better. Okay, I'll be better. Like, what do you do? You really need that? This guy's like three years old. I, oh God, it's brutal. I. He has been better, I mean, you know, he's up to 13 homers, he's in 261 average now instead of like 240, so he has been better, but 34 RBI at the All-Star break, come on, you gotta be better than that. It's funny too, after looking back at the bold predictions, one of my bold predictions was that he was going to hit 13 home runs for the season, Uh, I guess he's been a little better than I expected, I guess I was expecting to be really bad, because he hasn't even been good and he has 13, but regardless, 34 RBI, 261 average, he's just not getting it done
0: thing we frustrating with Hanley, too, um, like you were kind of talking about, Jess, it's stupid because, I th- and I think it's obvious that David Ortiz was the guy to coddle him last year. Like, we talk about, you know, he David Ortiz isn't there, blah, blah, blah. It's more obvious than ever that David Ortiz was the guy doing all this stuff that you think he doesn't need, right? It's the, oh, you got it, man. You're good. Don't bl- don't worry about it. You got it. You're. I, I believe this now more than ever, that David Ortiz, all last summer, was in his ear saying, do not worry about it, you're okay, you're great, you're awesome, you got it. Like I feel like he was a constant cheerleader to make Hanley as good as he was last year.
1: Because he probably helped, felt like he had to be because he knew that Hanley couldn't handle it, and he wanted his team to be good in his final year, so he was like, well, screw this, I'm just going to tell him constantly to get his head out of his butt and play baseball. You're totally right.
2: And it's it's pathetic. Like you said, Jesse's a three-year-old, because he he shouldn't need to be coddled, but it's frustrating because, like, like I said just a few minutes ago, we know he has a good bat. And I don't understand why somebody who's in their 30s needs guidance and to be able to just
1: play better. And he's been in the league so long. How long did he have to be in the league for? Forever. <laughs>
0: I don't think Literally. it matters because he's had the history. You know, it's every team he's been on. It's been, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. There's been reports of this kind of stuff. So, it shows even more significance of what David Ortiz meant to him, seeing that last year was one of the real only real seasons that Hanley Ramirez was good all year, played su- successful for the most part, and just shut up the entire summer.
2: And that just goes to show, too, like, the kind of player and person Ortiz is, because obviously nobody really else kind of coddled him, and not that, I mean, yeah, David Ortiz essentially coddled him, yes, but he did it, he probably did it in such a way where Hanley didn't even really see it as that, and it like I said, that's just h- how Ortiz is, and You know, just you said he wants the team to do well, so he's gonna take that for the team. But nobody else on the Red Sox is gonna be like, "Oh, it's okay. Like you can do better. Like you're you're gonna do really good." Blah blah blah. No, especially if someone like Pedroia. Last year, Pedroia was telling Ramirez, "If you don't pay attention on first base, I'm gonna hit you in the teeth with a baseball." Like Pedroia doesn't care. He's not gonna coddle anybody. And I mean, Ramirez needs to understand that. It's not going to happen, and Ortiz is gone, everyone's missing Ortiz, but they're moving on without him, and Hanley Ramirez is not.
1: Yeah, exactly, there's not that one guy on this team, you know, the leader is Pedroy, that's obvious, and he's not the kind of guy who's going to be like Ortiz, and, and necessarily do it in a nice way, like... Like you said, you know, I'm going to throw the ball at your face and stuff like that. It's like, he's not going to be like, oh, man, you're great. Like, just get in there and hit the ball. You know, he's not Dominican. He's not his Dominican brother, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's he's a white dude from California. He's just yeah. going to go out there and play baseball. He's not going to be like, oh, man, I'm going to cuddle you, man, because we need you, even though you've been in the league for, like, 25 years and you should be able to do this yourself. Yeah, you know, that's not the kind of person Pedroia is. So I don't, bl- you know, I don't blame him. That's not his. That's not really his deal. Hanley should be able to deal with. Hanley should be a leader of this team. What's wrong with this guy? He should be <laughs> the leader. He's been in the league for so long. He's been on all these different teams. He's been through all this stuff. He should be the leader on this team. Why isn't he? God, it's so annoying.
0: Well, look at what he did last year too. Like, we all sat here and said, "Great, he's finally figuring it out." Like, I was the biggest advocate of maybe he just needed to really play in Boston. Whatever, get it. Whatever, we brought him back. Awesome. If he played like he did last year and he had the same personality he did la- like he did last year, it would only make sense, right? just to, to, to him have him be the leader because at that point, he has that personality. he's basically the Mini David Ortiz. he might not be his clutch, but at least he's going to hit the hit for power, be that leader in the clubhouse, have that personality, and he's not doing any of that this year.:
2: Because he sucks.
0: Okay, I don't want to say he sucks. I just think he's not trying.: Because he sucks. No, because he's not trying.
1: Because he doesn't care enough to try. <laughs> yeah, if he was
0: trying, he would have been doing. He's been playing like he was last year. I just don't think he, he cares really and no, because no one's on him. Yeah, he sucks as a person. <laughs> he doesn't suck as a baseball player. He only sucks as a baseball player because he's not trying.
1: Because you and know he can hit 30 homers and 111 RBI. He did it last year. He's not that much older.
2: And I also think a lot of it, you know, when they went out and signed Mitch Moreland, you don't go and sign a Gold Glove first baseman. And Hanley, as soon as I made that signing, Hanley was probably like, oh, good. I don't have to play first base now. I can just be lazy. It's, I can
1: do nothing. Yes.
2: I, I, Basically.
0: I, you know that one Mitch through his head. Morland,
2: Mitch Moreland has a broken toe. And he, I, I know, like, toes aren't, like, you know, there's, it's not like you're breaking your hand or your leg or whatever. But he's still going out there and pushing through every game. He's playing first base. He's still hitting double after double. And he's just playing with such intensity. And Hanley's like, nah, I'm good.
1: John Farrell called Mitch Morland a tough sob. You don't see John Farrell calling Hanley Ramirez a tough sob, no, because <laughs> he's the exact opposite of that. My God! It's
0: all I can terrible. say is, give me more it's Sam crazy. Travis. Like, please, just keep playing Sam Travis. I wish there was room for keep him up here all year because I guarantee he'll get him back down the Triple at some point. But who shouldn't uh, need
1: him? Hanley shouldn't be terrible.
0: I I don't know. I, I I would just love to play more Sam Travis. When's Hanley's contract up?
1: Not soon enough. I
2: was just going to say that. I was
1: just going to say that. Uh, I don't know, though. I can't keep track of that stuff. I just worry about the year we're in currently. Seriously,
0: yeah. It's a big deal because you don't know. And and from one disappointment to another, the third baseman situation has been horrid this year. Uh, Pablo Zaneval apparently, you know, well, I mean, shouldn't ever come back. Apparently might come back at some point. Red Sox are uh, still making that effort. Um, Spare us. Guys, know the deadline's around the corner with the All-Star game here. Do the Red Sox trade for a third baseman? Do they keep sticking with Lynn and Marrero? Um, what's going to happen?
2: They're going to trade for a third baseman. And I know Todd Frazier's name's been thrown around. I've seen some other names thrown around out there. But I think Dombrowski is going to get go out there and get a third baseman. And I just think that goes to show, you know, they're already saying that they're looking for a third baseman. They're out there. They're shopping for a third baseman. That just goes to show that they have completely given up on Sandoval. And it, it's unfortunate because we know he's not this third baseman that, that we got, that we have right now. This isn't who he is. And it's really unfortunate because I can't justify standing behind Sandoval anymore. And, you know, Moreira was doing fine at third, brought Colts on his way back. So we like, we have the cushion to to be okay at third base, but we can't keep going through third baseman like how we went through shortstops for so long until we got Bogarts. So – I think, you know, come the trade deadline, which is just weeks away now at this point, is just there's going to be a third baseman, a new third baseman, a permanent third baseman, at least for this year and next year. And I don't really know what's going to happen with Sandoval. I don't, I think it's going to be very hard to trade him. But I mean, we haven't heard anything about him since he got that random ear infection and he's starting a quote unquote rehab assignment in uh, Pawtucket. We haven't heard really a lot about him. And it's, it's almost concerning at this point because we're not worried. Like, we're just kind of like, oh, whatever. We're getting by. Everyone's doing fine at third base. We're putting in there.
1: It's because nobody cares about them anymore. And it's sad. It's a sad <laughs> problem.
2: It's like it's it's really sad.
1: You don't make a rehab appearance for a flu. What's wrong with you? That's not a. It's not a rehab. That's pathetic. So
2: well, exactly, like you don't. Everyone. Everyone had the flu on this team in the beginning of the season. Nobody went to A. No, you miss a couple games, good. and
1: then you play. Yeah, you don't have to rehab. Oh, I got to get my body back in shape after having the flu for three days. Woof, tough. What yeah, was, so. was
2: it Benintendi puking between innings? Yes. And he was still playing? Like, he didn't go to a rehab assignment. He would just puked between innings. I was like, I'm good.
1: <laughs> I puked, Girl. I'm all set, guys. <laughs>
0: just the, the third I base think. situation for this team is a big one, right? And I
1: mean, Barrero and Lynn are playing really well. See, I, I mean, see. it's hard to know if it's sustainable, but...
0: See, I think, I, I don't think Linz keeps this up, but I, I think this is what they do moving forward because I do think Pablo Sandoval is going to be on this team at some point again. So, and, and they actually physically playing third base every once in a while. So, I don't think they trade for anyone because of that. Now, could I see a scenario also where they just buy Sandoval out? Um, yes, I don't think that'll happen to the offseason, though. So, at this point, you know, I think Morero and Lynn are the good combination. I don't mind Morero playing third base the rest of the year because. He's, he's good enough to—he's really well. he, playing really, really well defensively, and he's almost like last year's the Jackie Bradley situation we've been dealing with, right? If you can hit at all and play that Which kind of he defense— he has in the last three weeks. Yeah, so if you can hit at all and play that kind of defense, I'll deal with it. Put you in the bottom of the order, and the, line, the rest of the lineup's okay enough to deal with that. And then, you know, maybe you fill those holes, um, you have guys come up from the minors at some point, you never know who's going to be ready— Um, I think the rest of the year, you're going to ride it out. Don't trade prospects for a guy that might not, you know what I mean? It's not worth it. Yeah, this team is good, but I don't think this team is 100% worth trading more prospects for when you don't have enough as it is anymore because you trade them all away for other guys.
1: Yeah, I think Nebraska will look for moves, but I think, I mean, three weeks ago might have been a different story, but I think just because Marrero is hitting, like, 450 in the last, like, two weeks, I think that's probably changed his mind. and He's probably like, well, we can keep doing this platoon and have it work. And like you said, Brock, Brock Holt's coming back, and hopefully Sandoval doesn't come back. But if he does, then you got four guys there. So I think you have enough that you don't need to do that. But I really think that's only because Marrero's played better recently, and obviously Lin's playing well in short time so far. So I think they're good for now. But thank God this guy started to play well because it was pretty ugly there for a while.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was, it was for a little bit, but I think overall third base option, I think, has to be a situation where you, you make the effort to let Marrero play it out. Uh, at some point, Devers will be ready. You don't want to mortgage that by trading him for any reason. And there's other guys down there that, uh, you know, it's worth it. Just wait it out. See what happens this year with what you have. Um, if you're going to make a move at all, just fix the bullpen because now you don't know what's going on with Carson Smith. You already lost Thornburg till next year. So at this point, fix the bullpen, figure that part of it out, and I think third base becomes less of an issue at that point.
1: Fix the bullpen that's had, like, the third best ERA in the league the whole year?
0: You, you're still missing one piece, though, Jess. Like you're, still, you're being a little picky. Uh, okay, uh, what else am I going to be picky about? <laughs> Nothing. They're a good team. <laughs> yeah, I still think the bullpen has its issues. I, I don't trust Matt Barnes fully to be an eighth inning guy. They don't have the guy that I trust in the eighth inning. They don't. They they mix and match, yes, that's fine. But I think come playoff time, you need a guy who's going to be shut down in the eighth inning. And there's guys out there that are to be had, and it's it's worth making the investment, especially if they have a decent contract uh, for the next couple years. Why not do it?
1: What do you mean? mean, Joe Joe Kelly was pretty darn good.
2: Tyler Thornburg's doing great this year. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's been
0: phenomenal. Smith too. Yeah, (laughs) phenomenal. Yeah, I
1: just Um, want to see Curtis Smith pitch. God. Give me I some. Know. He yes, teased
0: he us spent. last year for like the two innings he threw. It was he was filthy oh. until he got hurt again.
1: Why? I just want to see him pitch. What's taking so long? Just come back, please. What's the
0: What's the most recent update on that that we've seen? I I haven't. Last time I saw, he, he was just rehabbing.
1: But I haven't seen any update. He had a setback where he didn't pitch for like four or five days, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, he's fine," and then it was like nothing again. Targeting midweek to return to the mound. That's the article from yesterday. So, I hope he begins mound work Tuesday or Wednesday. What does that mean for coming back? Like, still sounds like a while, right?
2: It does. It does. Prob- it does. Prob- like, yeah. mound work is, is good, I guess. But, I mean, how long till he throws off a mound? And then what if something goes wrong that, again, maybe he feels discomfort? Then, like, what do they do? Throw from 30 feet? Like, I I just feel like this is the longest rehab assignment. This is the longest recovery ever. And I get you know Tommy John surgery's major but I just feel like but I don't know they're very quiet about it it's not just like oh it's a setback from surgery it's, it's always like oh it's just discomfort like oh well, give us more we we, we obviously want to see him pitch it's been like he pitched well last two years ago when we saw him for 10 minutes but it's just like we have bold predictions revolving around Carson Smith we want them to come true
0: yeah, how rude of him not to care to your bold predictions. Come on now.
1: Uh, I know. We're all banking on him. He was my player to watch for so last rude. year. He was someone else's this year. Like, come on, Carson, give us something.
0: <laughs> so rude. Um, All right, so that being said, the show's pretty much over. We've, we've talked a lot about the Red Sox. So um, quickly, a couple. we want to get to predictions, obviously, for the four-game series against the Yankees that is coming up, as well as all-star games. So any major all-star predictions you guys want to make before we get to Sox predictions coming up for the upcoming series against the Yanks.
2: Uh, I think the all uh, I think the American League is going to win the All Star Game. I'm not just biased because my our team is American League, but I'm
0: just happy it doesn't matter anymore. Like who cares? No, that's,
2: well, that's the thing. oh
1: yeah, that's right. It,
2: it, there's no home field advantage for the World Series, so whatever. I but God. I think it'll be a, a high scoring game. The All Star Game usually is, so I think it's to be high scoring and. I just think the all-star the the I keep saying All game, I think the American League is going to win the all-star game like 13-10.
0: Craig Kimbrell safe.
1: Wow, that's a lot of offense.
2: It that is a lot
0: is a of lot offense. offense. Wait, does that means Chris Sale's going to get lit up? Like, what's going to happen? Like, what?
2: No, no, he'll pitch like two shutout innings and everyone will just be like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: just after just, after just like that, everyone's going to be like... Bleh.
2: Yep, after, Chris Sale's going to like pew, 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 so that's going to be great.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be lower scoring, definitely not 13-10, to 10. more like 5-3. to three. But yeah, I got the AL too, I hope the sales doesn't go up a run and Kimbrell gets to save. Uh, I want to say Betts will hit a home run, but I don't think he will, but I think he'll get a single. I feel a nice single from Betts. Um, yeah, it'll be good, I'm really glad it doesn't count, because that's just dumb, it's just stupid. There's no reason to count. Uh, and I just saw a funny thing. Uh, somebody tweeted that Aaron Judge is 25 and he's a rookie and Bryce Harper is 24 and this is his fifth All-Star game. That's insane. That wow. is insane.
0: Right? And, and and I also <laughs> saw, I heard tonight, um, so Bryce Harper is probably going to do the home run derby next year because it's in D.C. So that will be exciting. Oh, it's in D.C.? No mind. Yeah, they're in D.C. next year for the All-Star game, which means Judge is going to hit it over everything because that ballpark is a hitter's ballpark. Exciting that
2: means be I'll be there. That's close enough for me to just drive there. Seriously, so. we, we
0: we might make a Red Sox Pete trip to DC for the All Star game next year. <laughs> oh, uh, what I might are your predictions, be... Mr. Scally Uh AL will probably win like ten uh, yeah, four. but
1: it's with you guys in the runs. Pitching's <laughs> always the best the best part of these games, not the offense.
0: Uh red yeah, no save for Kimball, but he'll come in the ninth and close it out. Uh Mookie Betts is gonna hit a dinger. It's gonna be a multi run dinger. That's my prediction.
1: He's not hitting the dinger. He's not hitting to
0: hit di- That's rude. Of course he's going to hit a dinger. Come on now. Single. Totally oh, single. single. Opposite field single. Uh, that's so boring. Um, Sorry. So, the after the All-Star game, uh, they don't play at the Yankees uh, until Friday, but they are playing the wonderful New York Yankees out of the break, so I get Aaron Judge right away. Four against the Yanks. Uh, Lauren, miss, uh, miss positive over there. What's going on?
2: They're going to win three out of four, and... You know the Yankees have been, you know, on this kind of decline going on. Really, Aaron Judge is their biggest like person, literally, on the team. But
1: yes, he is the biggest
2: one. <laughs> He's a very large human being. But
1: although Betances is pretty darn big too, but I think Judge weighs more.
2: I think he does too. I think Judge is like two something. But
1: well, yeah, they're... so is Betances. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no, they're gonna win a three out of four. I'll be there Friday night, so they'll they will win that game. That's my.
1: That's Are you going to be there Saturday,
2: too? No, I'm not going to be there Saturday, unfortunately.
1: Uh, so you're doing our recap, then?
2: No, I, I cannot do the recap on Saturday. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I know. Un- I've covered. I've covered you guys so many weekend games. God forbid I can't do this weekend.
1: Unacceptable. Sorry, I don't mean to bring Red Sox coverage. <laughs> let's say, let's get the uh, Red Sox <laughs> beat
0: coverage politics out of this show, please. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, by the way. Batanzas, 6'8", six eight two sixty, Aaron Judge six seven two eighty two. So Judge does weigh more, oh but they're darn close. Some big men, some large men. Yankees have some big the men large... on their
0: team. Yankees have some big young players. Yeah,
2: That's an understatement.
1: <laughs> so Lauren, are they going to get? Are, are are we sweeping the doubleheader, or is that one of the losses?
2: No, we're, I think we're going to sweep the doubleheader. Which wow, which is weird because I don't i typically I'm very like they usually split the double header because the lineups are always weird and obviously the players who play in both games are tired and you know coming off the all star break too but no I think they're going to sweep the double header I have I've got a good feeling about that
1: so they're losing Saturday then
2: they are going to lose Saturday the game that I am not recapping
1: okay me either <laughs> <laughs> nobody's recapping it <laughs> uh, man Jared, you guys
0: keep bringing the politics back into this show Jess what are they going to do this week.
1: Uh, they're going to split the series because doubleheaders are hard to win both games of, and the Yankees are also a good team, even though the Red Sox are better. So if it wasn't a—I would pick two out of three if it wasn't a doubleheader. But with the doubleheader, win Friday, lose Saturday, and then win one of the doubleheader games. I don't know which one. We'll find out. Huh, huh. What's that, you, Jared?
0: Uh, Yeah, the Sox are going to sweep the Yanks. It's just going to wow. happen. Like. Red Sox were playing really well before this past week. Like we said, it ended up being a good time for the break, even though we didn't want it at first. Um, Coming out of the break, these guys are going to be rejuvenated. They're going to be ready to go. Um, They're going to take it to the Yanks. And look, normally I agree with the whole splitting doubleheader thing. I do agree with that normally, but coming, they're going to be rested. They're coming out of the break. So I don't see it being an issue. Um, I I don't know why I'm saying sweep the Yanks, but I am. Um, I think this is going to be a good time for them to kind of really take a stranglehold on this division, at least from the Yankees. I don't know how the Rays will do, but um, I think this is time for them. And even if they take three out of four, it's still taking a stranglehold from them. But um, I think they sweep the Yanks, which is crazy. But they're going to sweep the Yanks.
1: So so you're telling me that it's going to be a a seven-and-a-half game lead after Sunday?
0: Why not? Well, we don't know about the Rays, though. Rays could not be there. It could be less than that. But over the Yankees, seven. Over oh, the Yankees, yes. It could potentially be seven. Imagine if that was the case. Wow, that could just be... A I, would, I
1: would love to talk about that next week. If that Honestly, if,
0: the, if that happened real quick, would that make the Yankees sellers instead of buyers at the deadline?
1: Ooh. That's Ooh. close.
0: Think about that. We can talk about that next week. Uh, if it actually happens. Because <laughs> um, I know Cashman came out and said they wanted to be buyers. Um, and they were going to be cautious buyers. But if you're down seven and a half games... And it could be a little less than that. But, you know, they, they could. They, the Red Sox could respectively knock the Yankees out of spying contention uh, coming out of the All-Star break. So have to wait and see there. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast. We'll call that a show, of course. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes and Stitcher, thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes as well as rate and review and share the crap out of this. Um, Don't forget to check out the mobile podcast app where you probably may be listening there as well. All the CLNS family uh, website will be changing over soon. All exciting stuff. And don't forget a big shout out to our friends at SeatGeek as well. Don't forget the $20 Garden Report rebate. Settings tab, $20 rebate. can't go wrong. For Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, we'll be back next week where Red Sox baseball resumes and the Mets have a four-game series against the Yankees. Until then, enjoy the week off, I guess, if you really want to. And uh, we'll be back next week.